You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. On today's show, we'll be talking to the filmmakers of Stealing Chaplin. Paul Tanter and Simon Phillips will join us. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham, and this is the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. Let's talk about this incredible film that I just had the chance to see, Stealing Chaplin. I'm here with Paul Tanter uh, and Simon Phillips, uh, director and um, star of the film, also story by Simon I, I hear came up with the story for this in- incredible film. And it's, um, you know, I think, well, first off, thank you for joining me on the, on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I know we're kind of all over the world at this point. So um, that is one cool thing about zoom that we're able to get together and um, you know, like minds speak about films that we love uh, which your film is definitely one um, that I, I really enjoyed. I saw the title right off the bat. I, I was interested because um, I'll keep my, my thing short, but I'm a, I'm a history teacher, high school history teacher. And so I actually use um, Charlie Chaplin, uh, his life as a way to teach the first part of the 20th century. Um, yeah. And then I, I always tell them like in the, you know, in the seventies, when he died, his body was stolen. I show him a couple of pictures from, from the newsprint at the time and they, they, they love it. So um, I honestly don't know a ton about the story. So I'm just going to kick it off to you guys. Uh, um, uh, you know, obviously you knew that Chaplin's body <laughs> was stolen at one point and you decided to uh, take that premise and, you know, create your own narr- narrative film around that. So I'm just really interested in how that um, all started. Well, you know, it's an idea that Simon had for ages. And it's interesting that this is the, the events surrounding the death and the subsequent stealing of the corpse of Charlie Chaplin is something you teach in school because it's actually something that I wasn't aware of at all. So the first time that Simon told me about it, I thought he was pulling my leg. I thought he was just trying to have a joke at my expense. And then I Googled it and I found it was true um, and looked into it and read up on it. And I could see why it was an idea that he wanted to pursue um, because it's even though it's true, it's, it feels like the stuff of fiction. Surely in real life, you could never find two crooks stupid enough to try and dig up the body of the fa- most famous person in the world and then try and ransom it. Surely no one would be that dumb. But no, it actually happened. And so uh, Simon told us about the story and said, look, uh, I'd quite like to do a, a sort of something that's, you know, there's a difference between the phrase uh, based on real events and inspired by real events. So, you know, we weren't doing a sort of documentary blow by blow exactly how it happened in the 70s thing. But what we did was to, we took the, the story as a jumping off point um, for something that we could do in a contemporary world. So we thought, let's set it in the modern world, because that's where we live, um, and where in the world better embodies schemes and scams and get rich quick uh, ideas than Las Vegas. So that seemed like the perfect place to set it. Plus also our producer, Ken Brezzers, is based there as well. So he's quite connected to the local film community and to locations, that kind of thing. Um, and then we had to decide what kind of story it would be. And it seemed that, you know, as I said, it's such a fantastical strange and absurd idea that it could only lend itself to uh, some form of comedy. So we thought, well, you know, it's a body being stolen. So that in itself is quite a sort of heinous act. So let's make it a dark comedy. And that seems to be the way to go with it. So um, we got Doug Phillips, who's also uh, one of the leads in the film to write the script. He's a very talented writer. Um, and uh, and he did us a very good script with, uh, you know, lots of sort of murky characters forming a very large ensemble, you know, um, but at the centre of which is these two uh, idiotic um, British guys who think that um, 
who think they're one step ahead of everyone, but really aren't. So, you know, um, with, as far as the characters are concerned, it's a triumph of stupidity over evil. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly it. And it was just um, such a unique concept. And, you know, I was laughing and um, maybe, uh, you know, Simon, maybe you could speak to just like how uh, you guys are, you guys are, you know, both from England. So um, Chaplin, I mean, Chaplin's huge anywhere you go in the world, really, um, you know, but especially being from, you know, closer to where he was actually originated from. Um, I'm just curious, um, maybe like the influence that Chaplin had, obviously you guys are both fans, I would imagine. Um, and you know, as far as I, you know, me, he was one of the first things I was exposed to him and the three stooges when I was a little kid, um, kind of like developed my love for comedy. So just, just would love to hear your, um, your take on it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the, the fact that he was British. I don't think factored into our decision-making at all. <laughs> I'm afraid, okay. yeah, you know, it wasn't that Paul was there going, if this guy was from the South of France, we wouldn't be making this movie. Simon. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't like that. Um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't really, a, 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 to be honest, I wasn't really a, a Charlie Chaplin fan. If you like, I don't know if I'd seen a, a lot of his stuff. I certainly knew who he was. You can't help but be exposed to him. Sort of. That's. I mean, that's just how famous and how successful he was. That whether you wanted to know who he was or not, yeah. you still knew who he was. It's a bit sort of Marilyn Monroe. You don't have to sort of seen the movies to know everything about um, about them because they were that sort of exposed. Um, throughout making this movie, we certainly we delved more into Chaplin. Like we certainly saw a lot more of the movies and stuff like that because we were trying to get little Easter eggs into it. Um, so I, I think I'd seen, I, I would quote myself as seeing about the average amount of Chaplin before we started the movie. Now I've seen a lot more now. I know a bit way more about his life than I did uh, beforehand. And it's, um, the more you delve into it, the more fantastic it is. Um, and yeah, this event, obviously, uh, you know, sort of uh, Paul, as, as Paul said, he thought he was, uh, I was winding him up. It's just so, I, I've known about this for ages. And I was like, this story's unreal. These two guys had stole this body and then kept the coffin in their living room for like weeks, you know, sort of, um, you know, you just think it's so ridiculous. Uh, anyway, made a good, um, a good jumping off point. I say it's, it, it is only inspired by, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what we tried to do is, uh, and this is my hope for it, that we made a movie, not about Chaplin, but it made a movie that he would like, that if he was still alive today, Charlie Chaplin might watch this movie and he might go, yeah, that was all right. That was kind of funny. So that, that's, that's my aspiration for it. No, I love it. I love it. Especially um, one thing that really had me laughing pretty hard was um, when one of the characters was talking about how Robert Downey Jr. did a better job playing Chaplin than Chaplin did. Uh, that was just so funny to me. Um, so yeah, it's just definitely a hilarious movie. Uh, Las Vegas, I wanted to ask you a, a bit about that, about shooting there. Um, I'd imagine it's a, it's a lot of fun, but at the same time, a, a lot of challenges unique to that city itself. Uh, I did want to ask specifically about um, Wayne Newton. He, he pops up in the film. Um, and then some of the locations, from what my understanding is, you're actually on his property, his massive property. Um, outside of Vegas, so I'd love to hear how that happened. Well, uh, it's, I mean, Wayne Newton, uh, firstly, you know, we were honored that he even came and did the film in the first place. There we are with this tiny little indie film shooting in Vegas, um, which is a wonderfully cinematic uh, city to shoot in. Um, and our producer, Kenneth, uh, has a connection to Wayne through a friend of a friend. Um, 
and and we and we get a script to him, and he's and he's and he says, "I'd love to come and do uh, a role in this," and so he does um, very generously because he's a very busy man. He like he, all all the while we were filming, he was filming, he, he was um, doing a show in the evenings as well, um, which we went to one night. It was great, um, and he he came down to um, this place, Champagne's Bar, we were filming in uh, for the scenes. Um, and you know lovely guy and like you know i had all the script memorized you know that there was no sort of like oh yeah okay so what am i doing today or anything like that came down and he said so how's how's it going and we said well look we, we were mid-shoot at this point we said look you know it's good i mean filming's going well we're very pleased with what we're getting um but we just kind of hit a bit of a bump in the road two days from now we're supposed to be filming at a cemetery um and this and the location has just pulled out on us so we've lost it um and and it was difficult to get in the first place so we're kind of screwed for a location so we're running around trying to find an alternative and uh and wayne said well you know why don't you come and film in my backyard <laughs> and we sort of looked at each other and laughed a bit and said look that's very kind of you mr newton but i think we need something a bit bigger than a backyard and he and he then smiled to himself uh and said look why don't you come and see my backyard and and if you think it's no good, then you know you keep looking. And so that evening, after we finished filming in Champagne, we went to Wayne Newton's pl uh, place in Vegas, and where we took a look at his backyard, which is a 27-acre green, plush, palatial um, Arabian horse farm with a little um, stream running through it and trees and a bridge over the stream. And it's it's huge. It occupies an entire city block, and he breeds horses there um, and lives there with his family, you know, with his uh, wife Cat and his daughter Lauren and and it's it was amazing and he said how's this and we said yes this will be perfect thank you very much so two nights later we were there dotting fake gravestones around the place making it look like a like a cemetery um he let us film all through the night we had about 20 extras there for the scenes where people are doing like a candlelit vigil and, and they were just so accommodating i mean we did we said to him this means we are going to have to dig a hole in the middle of your perfectly manicured lawn and he said just go for it just put it back to how it was afterwards put it back to how it is now and believe me we did not do that because that was impossible um so that night we were there um, with shovels and pickaxes digging a very large very deep grave in the middle of wayne newton's lawn so i was quite glad that tmz wasn't kind of looking over the wall nearby because that would have made a hell of a story wayne newton digs grave on property um but like but he, and his whole family got involved his wife cat that evening steps in and played a role for us as the news reporter re reporting from the scene his daughter lauren came and played a role uh, in the diner playing the sort of surly gum chewing waitress so it was a whole newton family affair and they were so accommodating to us um and you know yeah it was just yeah a fantastic experience um and you know wayne and his family couldn't have been kinder so yeah uh, f filming in vegas itself very cinematic um didn't get a huge amount of help from the Nevada Film Commission. Um, so in terms of permits and things like that, when we came to film on Fremont Street, what we did was we scheduled that for the very last night of filming. So that way, if we did get arrested, we wouldn't actually lose anything the next day while we were waiting to get bailed out. So we went down there and guerrilla style and the best uh, traditions of guerrilla filmmaking went down there and uh, shoved Simon and Doug into the middle of Fremont Street wearing their, their priest costumes for the scenes at the beginning of the film. Um, and if you've ever been on Fremont Street, you know that two guys dressed as priests are not the weirdest looking thing there. So no one gave them a second look. And we managed to set the camera up from quite a distance and shoot in a long lens and shot the scenes that we needed there just in the nick of time, just as security came, realized what we were doing and came over to kick us out. And that was the very final night of filming. So yeah, uh, shooting in Vegas was great and I'd do it again. Oh, I love it. And I love that Wayne, Wayne Newton call like maybe backyard is not the right <laughs> term for, yeah. for that. For, for that. Yeah. He was being very, very modest. 
<laughs> exactly. I, I love that. That's what he referred to as his backyard. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It was. It was. He's got a wonderful place, and uh, it was. You know, so accommodating to us. That's great. Um, so, just doing like a, a little bit of research on you guys. Um, you've you've worked together several times, and you have some upcoming stuff as well. Um, maybe, maybe just briefly, you could tell our audience, like you know, you have, you have some series, and then I noticed. Um, a stealing Elvis, which, you know, I don't want you to spoil anything there, but that definitely sparked my interest as well. So there, there, there's stuff you can, people can go see right now. Um, and then there's stuff to come, um, you know, with, with you guys working together, it seems like an like incredible team and with, uh, you know, the right chemistry. So just curious where we can find that stuff. Oh, thank you very much. Well, yeah, we got quite, I mean, we've got a reasonably large catalog of uh, work that we've, that we've, we've, we've done together. Um, but in terms of things we've done lately, uh, our our vampire TV show uh, uh, for Amazon Prime, Age of the Living Dead, that's uh, se- season one of that. It's currently on Amazon Prime. Um, so check that out because we're very proud of that one. Um, that was, you know, uh, that was something we you know, we've had a lot of fun doing, but also like we're very proud of the end product. Um, and we've got season two of that is landing on Amazon Prime at the end of the year, I think around Halloween. That would make sense. I think that's when they've uh, scheduled it for. Um, and we're in uh, pre-production for season three of that at the moment. Uh, we're going to uh, have that out next year. Um, our Christmas horror film, The Nights Before Christmas, uh, was out, well, at Christmas and will be, we'll be out uh, this coming Christmas in the UK. So it was out in the US last year, it's out in the UK this year. And of course, Stealing Chaplin is available on all uh, streaming platforms uh, and on DVD. Um, and you mentioned there Stealing Elvis, which is the follow-up to Stealing Chaplin where uh, we are taking the, uh, the character's journey and their adventures are continuing and where you can kind of guess where we're going by the title. Um, <laughs> but let's just say they, encou- you know, they encounter Elvis and he might not be dead. That, he may have faked his own death in order to try and live a, uh, a quiet life. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's what we're, that's what we're working on next. Um, and Ch- Stephen Chaplin is, has just landed on, um, uh, I think on, a couple of new streaming platforms at the moment and is out on dvd in the uk at the end of the year have i missed anything simon no i think you covered it all there great so i'll put links to all that stuff um i'll go back and look and we'll put links so people can find that stuff um easily definitely stealing chaplain um i uh, i highly recommend it and it will give you a good taste for uh the rest of the work these guys do um let's see anything else you want to talk about um you know just about uh, I know I, I one thing I did want to ask, I know we're kind of wrapping up on time here, but I am kind of curious when Stealing Chaplin was filmed. Was it pre-COVID um, or were you um, kind of having to play that game? No, no, it was pre. So the, that uh, Chaplin was was shot in November 2019. Um so we shot that. It was shot in ten days, which I think you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at it because it, oh, it it's yeah. it's a very polished movie. Um, so we shot that in ten days in very in even in November, very intense heat in um, Vegas. Uh, um, shooting out in the desert was very fun, very challenging. Um, uh, we shot that yeah, twenty nineteen, and then COVID sort of started to hit the news, didn't it, in January of twenty twenty, and sort of snowball from there. So post production was challenging in that regard because. Of course, I mean, we're used to doing things kind of remotely anyway, but once COVID hit, um, we had an editor in Los Angeles. I'm in the UK, Simon's in Canada, and so no one could be in the same room. So everything had to be done remotely and remote viewings and Zoom meetings. But then even things like um, usually when you're doing post-production on a film, you uh, when you want to do uh, vo- uh, 
sound stuff with the voices, what we call ADR, where you get people to redo their their um, their lines. You, you often you you get the actors going into a studio somewhere. You book a studio for the day, and and you get someone coming in, and two hours later, someone else comes in, and you get it all that way. But this time we couldn't do that because obviously all of the studios were closed, and they they weren't letting people in because. COVID was happening and it was very new um, and, you know, it, and quite sensibly all these precautions have been brought in. So we ended up having to, you know, we were sort of buying actors, micro, you know, good quality microphones, ordering them over Amazon and having them delivered to their uh, homes so they could then plug them into their computer or their iPhone. And uh, a lot of them were being very inventive and sort of getting sheets and cushions and, you know, forming little makeshift um, sound, uh, sound studios like under their, under their, under their couch. Um, and games to record it all that way. So that was that was interesting and uh, and fun. But also we found a lot cheaper than hiring a studio to do ADR. So we'll probably just end up and keep on doing that from now on. Yeah. No, I love that. I think I think a lot. I've talked to a lot of filmmakers. Um, just like some elements of the filmmaking process, like you just said, post production, um, and definitely festival film festivals. I think have you know shifted maybe a bit that they'll include an online component to it. So um, yeah, I think yeah. there's some cool you know, things that could come out of this. Yeah. A lot, I mean, chat both um, the, the films that we were sort of mainly promote, uh, you know, sort of dealing with over the last year or so was stealing chapel and the nights before Christmas. And both of them played at a combination of festivals that were both in, that were in person and other ones that were online. And I think, you know, uh, online festivals are kind of, the, it's where things are moving towards. I don't think we'll ever go to them exclusively because people like, you know, myself included, they like to go and sit in a room with other people and watch it on a big screen um, and, and have that experience. But I think especially to make uh, festivals more accessible to, um, you know, critics who, who maybe can't get into the major cities, but, you know, could, uh, I, so for instance, in the UK, most screenings tend to be in London, but there's a lot of critics and film writers who live outside of London and it's expensive and time consuming. It takes the whole day. You, you want to drive in for one screening. You want to get the train in from Manchester or something like that. But if you want to review it for your site within time and hit the same deadlines that everyone else is doing, you have to go to the screening. So I think uh, it's good for distributors and filmmakers to be and film festivals to be making them more available uh, to people because you can, you know, there are secure screener systems now. Um, and people know that uh, I think generally, you know, that everyone's sort of like very honorable with the system. So I think that's where it's moving towards. But yeah, I mean, I still like going to a festival and, you know, uh, chatting to people afterwards in the bar and that kind of thing. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's always an enjoyable experience, too. Yeah, nothing beats that. Um, OK, well, thanks, guys. Um, this was this was great. So Stealing Chaplin is the film um, we want everyone to go see. I'll put links there. Um, also, I, I'm tonight I'm going to start watching. Um, age of the living dead so that i mean that that sounded really cool so i'm looking forward to um thank you very much I, 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 I hope you enjoy it and i'm i i love your um i'm looking behind you over your right shoulder your uh your <laughs> laurel and hardy uh figure oh, yeah, yeah. it's very very good yeah nice thank you yeah it's, a, it's an old decanter um whiskey uh, decanter oh, yeah oh fantastic you, you is there anything the in off. it no it's an old one i gotta add an antique shop but it's like uh, a, okay i don't have to clean it out i have a um Stand see, one somewhere, but yeah, they have a matching set. See how Paul became less interested in that when he learned there was nothing in it. There's he nothing in it. Drink no, also. In it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter. Don't want it then. It's not. If I was, there, if I, if I was there, this is where I'd have picked it up. And you said, "Ah, oh, it's empty." And I'd have just gone, "Ah, smash." <laughs> not worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It. Thanks. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, guys. I'm gonna definitely. I'm. I'm glad that I just you know found out about you. Um. I think. Uh, your stuff is definitely something I'm interested in, and I'm, I'm. It looks like I have a lot of 
homework to do and i'm looking forward to seeing new projects uh like stealing El elvis sounds sounds incredible so thank you so thank much you for your thank, time. thank you very much carla okay thanks, have a good thanks. one thanks for yeah thanks for joining us cheers mate take care Bye.